Welcome to Learning with Learner, where we embark on a transformative journey of knowledge and personal growth. I'm Lindsay Lerner, your dedicated host and guide as we delve into the depths of unconventional wisdom. Together, we'll explore the stories and insights of remarkable trailblazers who have forged their own paths. Brace yourselves for thought-provoking conversations, profound insights, and eye-opening experiences. Our mission is to challenge the norm, ignite curiosity, and empower you to embrace your unique journey. This is Learning with Learner. Hey there, I hope you're ready for an extraordinary episode of Learning with Learner. I'm so stoked to introduce Stony Love, the CEO and founder of Stuzo Clothing. Stony's not just a fashion powerhouse, but also an actor and a photographer, to name a few, a true multi-hyphenate. Stuzo Clothing's gender-free pieces redefine fashion norms celebrating individuality and self-expression. From their latest collections to dressing influential figures like Jada Pinkett Smith and Lena Waithe, Stony's journey as an LGBTQ designer inspires change and authenticity. Join us as we uncover the fearless leader behind Stuzo clothing and the remarkable impact on the fashion world. Can you share with us some of your earliest memories from growing up in the Bronx? It was a nice time. It was a nice time. I grew up in Co-op City, Section 4, to be exact. There are five sections. Four is the best. (laughs) There we go. There Uh we go. You know, I mean, there's everything in four. You got Bay Plaza. Um, you got a great part of the Greenway. A lot. It's there are buildings and townhouses. So I actually started out in some buildings and quick, quick, quick. Um, double core is a single core, double core, and a triple core. And they're literally kind of like that, where it's like a single building, 30, 25 to like 36 floors, imagine. Um, and there's like probably 10 people on each floor. But these are gated apartments. It's not projects. However, some people made it like that. And then the doubles are like conjoined and then triples are conjoined. So kind of cool. You have all those and you can like go through the buildings and stuff. Then I spend the most half in uh, townhouses, which some people would think they're like for like upper class. But we were totally I mean, I didn't think we were middle class growing up, but (laughs) I think maybe technically we were, but it just didn't feel that middle. It felt more like right (laughs) under the middle, you know, maybe there's a couple levels under the middle. Right. You know, Um, not like dirt poor. I got to say, I didn't feel poor, Mm. Um, but there were times when I was like, hmm, are we going through it? And one thing I loved, a lot of uh, what I love doing in um, co-op is like, we have this vast which is, you know, nice in the Bronx. It's called the Greenway. And it spans from all from section one, like it really to four, like it connects somewhere. So I would like riding my bike, literally I can ride my bike through the sections on the vast greenway. And it was a joy. And I didn't I don't think I appreciated it, how rare it is having a wide area of greenery in the Bronx. And For so sure. I probably left. And then I thought back, like, you know, even when you start healing your trauma, you're thinking of all the good times. And I'm like, you know what? I used to ride my bike through green. And we had like this, there's a big stage there still to this day where they would put on concerts. And and one of my all-time favorite times of the year um, in the summer, we would have a co-op city fair. 
So we had our own fair that we on the greenway, we'd fill the greenway up with, they would bring in rides and like legit rides too, you know, that, and they brought like a Ferris wheel, baby one. And then we would actually get people um, around our community to um, vend, which was nice because wasn't a lot of that. It was more like Brooklyn had a lot of vend, like a vending culture and stuff. And we didn't really pop up a lot. Um, so we had our stores. So it was really nice to see people like you get to see what people made. And you didn't, you know, people you, you saw, you know, in church or wherever you were. And it's like, oh, you make candles, you know? Totally. Yeah, that's so neat. And how do you think that environment shaped your perspective now and, and throughout the course of your life? It was like growing up in like two different worlds. Um, and it's kind of like where I'm at now. Um, so weird because like, all right, I saw like, like I said, it's a, it's technically a gated, well, it's not gated, but it's like, it feels like a gated community. It's like our own community, but it's not as hard, like naturally as, as some people wanted to make it, you know, wasn't a lot of respect given. I wasn't, look, I wasn't a part of this, but just, I had an older, I have an older brother and I saw a lot of stuff going on between, you know, him and stuff he cared about. I didn't care about none of that stuff, but like, you know, you see it. So they were trying to make it a certain way. So I had like projected you know, some like mini violence going on and things like that. Then I would really go to a, a project and see what that's like and be like, if y'all think y'all are doing anything, like, you know, you think you're gangster over here, it's it's like it it can be worse and it is worse out there. So like appreciate what you have here. I was more on that that tip, like I'm gonna appreciate this green because they don't have, you know, a lot like a green or trees and stuff like that. It's literally like so small. So it was a humbling thing for me when I came back into my townhouse. My mother is neat. Um, I didn't live with my father, but he's also neat. So I'm happy that I have that foundation of neatness because I'll go to my friend's house and it's dirty, you know, there are roaches and there's like, and I'm you know what I mean? And I, I've always like not judged people because I'm like, I see who you are. And I'm like, you know, a lot of this comes from like, you know, who your parents are and what they're doing inside the house. So I went to a non-zone school. So while, while it wasn't co-op, it was zoned for people outside of co-op city. All of my friends were outside of, you know, co-op. And so the, the people and then a lot of people that went to school in um, the zone schools, they knew each other. So they were like closer so I always had friends outside, which now, now my friends are around the world and now, and they've always been different because, you know, they're not like the same people in the same neighborhoods, you know, and I love it that way. Like there's this eclectic nature of, of who I am and what I attracted and, and the world's like, you know, people that understand that they're not defined, you know, by the world they grew up in and they're not looking at some other like neighborhood and wanting like seeing the 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 you know the hardness as a validation and, and more so just like embracing you know the difference and stuff and that's that's what I, I noticed that I you know like I was aware of that and then it, it shaped me and I love like the people that I attract um for the most part you know everybody can give you a lesson <laughs> and they're like what the hell did I attract them for but you gotta know it's, it's something you you know within totally. you and then you gotta learn and heal and stuff um but yeah you know like collecticity is like is like a lot that I got out of that 
Hell yeah. And do you do you ever bring those like very disparate friend groups together? Yep. Yeah. I love doing that because I love for them to see, you know, it's like a reflection of themselves, you know, like, oh, you know, so and then they they see the similarity, the commonalities they have with this person. And then it just comes back to like me, like, huh, like, you know, you you're interesting that you hang with this and that. And they might not expand themselves like that. But then now then now they look at themselves like, well, if I'm a part of this and you hang with this person and that person and we have this in common, you know, now maybe I can open my mind to, you know, letting different type of people in. When you were a kid, were you always interested in the arts and creativity? And did you have somebody in your friend group or your family who was an inspiration to you? Or was that something that you went rogue and were like, this is what I'm going to figure out? I have individually always been into art. My savior, I mean, art really kind of saved me, to tell you the truth. Uh, uh, I had a lot of trauma growing up at, at the young age of three, you know? So for me, it's like I had to keep finding pockets of joy and more so looking back on it now. Cause then I just felt like it was a lot of stuff going on. Um, so for me, I was grateful to have a, we had a terrace a balcony, whatever you want to call it. I call it a terrace and, and it's like second floor. So it's very, you know, we have to, we had to like weave it through so people won't be all in it. Like I had this like, um, green boom box this pastel green, I would take it outside, put the music on, Hot 97 BLS, you know. And then I would draw and tr- I would color, trace pound puppies. Well, I don't know if you remember, that's a classic, all day. And then go, I, I bought Mad Magazine, so I would like to like trace or like I'm either with the tracing paper or I like to draw um, and I would take it off the tracing paper or not use it meaning and then like, you know, trace the the characters and, and Mad Magazines. And then do a lot of source magazines. I would, you know, I like to recreate the graffiti and like, you know, they they redid, they did like caricatures of Wu-Tang that I still have to this day that I like hand, you know, like looked and traced and, you know, and all that. And it was like that, that saved me. Uh, I'd be out there for hours to the point where I'd fall asleep and my grandmother, she would knock on the terrace door and be all like, you're sleeping? And I'm like, oh, you know, like, I, all right, I fell asleep. And then, you know, the warm sun, I love the warm. So I spent a lot of time on the terrace, like in the summers. Um, I still also had a, like a little bit of friends. So, you know, sometimes they would come and try to get me out and I'd, I'd sneak back in and act like I'm not even there, tell my grandmother to tell them not here. I was that, it was, it was very interested of a child. And then I would say, you know, my mom does have, my mom and my father, they do have their own like artistic ways. So, you know, I'm sure that definitely played a part. Like my mom um, made these great sculptures, which even whenever I, I, I would think about it, whenever I think about it, I'm just like, wow, it's amazing. But nothing, nothing that she did while I was there was just kind of like, um, it's, you know, in me, but, you know, I don't really see it. Um, then my father, one thing I did see from him though, um, which, which, encouraged me to pick up a camera. Like he would just like, he was in the Marines uh, very briefly. So he would shoot around and then, but more so he was like a, a street fender in Brooklyn and he would like shoot everything. And it's always like, you know, I, one time I got another, I had another scar right here. Um, <laughs> okay. by, 
running into a tree in Staten Island. Oh, good. Face first. Mm. All right. <laughs> and this guy decides. Nothing good like, in Staten Island. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was, and I have a picture to prove that one too, because he took this picture. He was like, act like you're winning an award. And this is like the beginning of, of me wanting, which I don't even know if I did, but like, you know, he was, I, that was the one thing that took me away from it. And maybe he saw that. I mean, and I, so I had this sculpture he had and I was just like, I'd like to thank the tree that I ran into. And I mean, I was, I used to get really darker and tan. So, and it was pink. So it was like, there was no getting around this. And I was just about to start like seventh grade. So it was like crazy, but, um, yeah, you know, he would photograph everything and, um, and I would, you know, look at them and, um, be like, wow, this is cool. And I love the, the idea of the film. So I eventually definitely got into that. Now I'm a photographer as well. So I want to get back into drawing and painting and things like that. So I actually been sketching lately, seeing what comes out and trying to sharpen that, that love that I have and skill. No doubt. No, I feel that. I feel that. And what, what role did your cultural heritage as an African Panamanian play in not only obviously your upbringing in terms of like the cultural aspect, but also now all of your artistic endeavors? Well, it's kind of, it's just like 90%, not hundred percent of my life, you know, especially now that I'm, I'm seeking more knowledge on who I am every day. And as far as you, by way of my cultures. So it's in how I create, you know, cause it's in me, it is, I, it is me. So it's in how I create and I find it, it's important for me to incorporate that in my design. So people know like who I am and the cultures of African culture and, and Latina culture are so vast. So it's really like my POV of that and introducing people to Panama and, 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 and Africa in ways that they haven't seen visually. And what I like to do is like take original pieces that we've seen, like the, the, the cut of something like a, like for instance, a motorcycle jacket and put a classic fabric that we've seen beautifully, um, like a, the Kente fabric and put that together and line that with velvet because, you know, you got to feel royal, royal and, and warm inside. And it's stuff that I want to see, like, you know, like I, the overalls that I create, you know, it's a classic cut. It's a classic. Well, they're it, so cool. Thank you. I want to make clothes that, that people could still embrace the culture without feeling like they're appropriating anything. It's really fine a line. celebration. Yeah. Yeah. I totally. draw that. I definitely teeter on that fine line because people do ask me, like, can I wear this? Can I wear that? And I, besides like black as fuck, and if you're just not black, I would say maybe that's the only thing I would stay away from. And still, if you decide that you want to wear it and, you know, as an ally, you do at the end of the day, do what the hell you want to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me like that. As long as you're, you're not wearing it, like, you know, I'm going to just stretch out the black, you know, or something like if your intentions are good, it's clothes, you know, there, there's certain things. Like I, I had a, a F Pauly Shore shirt and I only wore it. I thought it was hilarious. I love Pauly Shore as an artist, you know, 
they just were making it at my screen printing shop when I was working there. And then I went there to Vegas and Pauly Shore was performing. <laughs> so I thought it was like, cool to take a picture. Like, because I, I didn't really, I don't mean that, you know, and I, and I get that, you know, like I'm open. It's, it's just like, when you see something like that, it could offend somebody. Cause they did actually ask me to take the damn t-shirt off in the MGM. And I was just like, I'm not taking my t-shirt off. It's all I right? have on. Like <laughs> if I feel like fuck him, then I, that's how I feel. You know, right. um, <laughs> so it's it. like, yeah, it's, it's just up for, it's up for conversation. That's why I like creating stuff like that. So people could talk about it, you know, like, you know, totally. there are certain people also that aren't what's, what society deems as what a, a Latin a person should look like mm-hmm. African, you know, for sure. And, um, so for them to have something that I've created that represents who they are, but maybe not how society sees them to, to, you know, to look then that can show somebody a different way. Like, you know, it doesn't always look like this Latin people are not always fair skin and this and that. And you can also come and ask somebody if you, you know, before you judge, ask somebody their story. Cause there's, there's exactly a story behind why people put things on. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. And so did you move from the Bronx to Los Angeles? Or was there any oh, anything yeah, in between? A, yeah, there was a there was New Rochelle in between. Okay, um, and then <laughs> yeah, and then that's it. And then I I moved here. Yep, I I went to and I went to live. I went back to live like or live back whatever with my mom. Um, I was I was living with a, a in my first apartment, and then I moved one of my girlfriends in, and then she moved <laughs> As out. One does. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just, it was like a lot of How did mom feel about that? Stuff. Um, <laughs> she was happy to have me. I'm, I'm the, I want to still claim the responsible one and the, you know, the one that she can, not anymore because we don't speak, but then <laughs> I was the one she could count on, you know, um, at the end of the day. So she loved it. You know, I think she loved it. Um, where and it was a different time for me. I of course I had lived off and on with my mom. Was mom cool with the girlfriend or no? Oh well, she my girlfriend at, at the time she left, so that's what was like a thing where she left and she just decided you know like who she is 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 more on the straight side, and I love that for her that she got to that clarity and and relieved me of something that I wasn't going to leave. I think you know and so unless she left me so. <laughs> So I was happy that she made that move to to that. And um, I ended up subletting my that apartment to my older brother and then moved in with my mom. And then from there, I was going to save for a house. So that's what, that was the plan. And then I was like, I even looked at some houses and stuff. And I was, um, I started the business really around that time. Okay. That's when Stuzo was born. Yeah, I was born before that in my apartment. And then um, I, I had a, a business partner when I moved back with my mom. And then we got all the paperwork together. And then, you know, then I was looking for a house that maybe I could turn it also into a business there. Like, cause I know I needed like, um, you know, screen printing supplies and all this stuff. And then the prices were just crazy. And I was like, I will, I'm going to be here forever if I'm going to save for a house in New York. So I was just like, what's, what's keeping me here? You know, like right. what's, you know, I, I also got a um big settlement from a, 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 um, an accident I was in, in 2005, which I didn't even think was a thing that was happening still. And it was just like, Oh, 
So I was like, okay, what am I doing here? I was going to put it like into a, a car house there. Yeah, somebody rear-ended me. Damn. Yeah, and at a red light. And Oof. I was, you know. Um, so, okay. and then like five years later, right, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And then I got some money. And then I was just like, I'm going to move to California. How did that that change of environment, do you think, influence not only Stuzo, but your creative pursuits in general? It was like the, the, it was a switch that I needed. It was the balance that I needed. I felt that I was just like too much in a hurry up and go, like more of a masculine energy and not a laid back and even feminine energy. And that's within and then just, you know, in touch with nature. It's, it's just good. It's good. You know, it gave me like time to think and just sit still and, it's just not not a lot going on, noise and stuff like that. Was this for Stuzo specifically in fashion or was this like acting? Was this photography or was just it it was LA more of an open-minded collaborative space for you? Yeah, I found it to be like open-minded. Cause like even when when I first moved here, I was um, I pursued my acting career. So I was like, let me just use the cushion I have to to, you know, do that while I was building out. I got my first screen printing press. So I would be you know, teaching myself how to do that. And then, you know, going on auditions, looking for them. And even one of my, um, the guy that the delivery man, we spoke and he was just like, oh, he sent me a script. It was very stereotypically African-American, which I was like, I'm not doing because there's words that even, it has to be like Denzel and training day for me to be all like N-word this or this, you know, be that. Like it got to be like something super strong and prolific for me to, play a low vibrational character, you know? So I was like, nah, uh, uh, but it was like the fact that we had that conversation and whereas in New York, it would be somebody be like, oh, I see what you're doing. Okay. 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 You know? And it's just like, I don't, there's no one want to help you. You know, this guy was just like, well, let me send you this script and maybe, you know, cause this and that. And it was like, that energy was real different in that aspect musically. You know, I was working with a lot of musicians. I I'm kind of doing everything. I took, you know, people's headshots, uh, you know, work. I was doing logos. I was really doing a lot. So with a lot of collaborative help. So um, that was something I didn't really experience in New York. You know, it is kind of a crabs in a barrel and here there's space and opportunity. There is that, you know, pretentiousness and there's this, I can do this for you. Cause I did get that as well. Where it was just like, don't tell me you're going to do something. You're not going to do it. Like, you know, cause that's the part of New York that I appreciate. We don't even say we can do anything cause we're not. And when we say it, we usually mean it. Did you have any, any mentors or role models who really played some sort of pivotal role in your life and career in general? First and foremost, my grandmother, who's like really my my mom, my sister, my grandmother, my everything still and always. Mama, I'm sure she's like hovering around like, thank you. You know, Excellent. <laughs> every time. And I'm, was, I'm, she, was yeah. she, she from New York? She, no, she didn't grow up. She was there, um, but no, she grew up in Panama. She's a Panamanian as well. Um, so, you know, when my mom moved to New York, she moved with her uh, for her own reasons. I'm pretty sure, you know, righting some wrongs. <laughs> uh, um, but I'm so happy. I'm so happy because for the first 15 years of my life, 
she was there um, from the cradle to the bed, like for, with me. We shared a room for for that, and and it was so pivotal because I was the first person that I've ever experienced, human that I've ever experienced unconditional love from. Best relationship, hands down, that I've ever had. Um, besides the one that I have with myself, is the best relationship I've had ever. And you know, maybe collectively um, seeing the the other woman the strength in my family for sure. And even like extended family. Um, I have a best friend and her mom was a real pivotal point in my life. Um, shout out to Risa, Risa Pisa, as I call her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, she took me in, um, at a time where, uh, you know, my mom kicked me out, you know, and, um, for homophobic reasons and, you know, she's, Risa is queer. So, um, she took me in and literally lived like five minutes away from my mom. So it was kind of weird and, and just interesting of a dynamic. Was that a cultural thing in terms of being homophobic or? Yeah, I would say it it would go against her religious beliefs. And for the most part, you know, I mean, I go back to Panama and I, I don't, I don't like dress any differently on myself. Um, you know, it's a different time. However, I think their morals will still, a lot of them will still be the way it is. And, you know, um, and your grandmother was okay. Well, as far we, we didn't, we didn't, I, I didn't discover who I am when she was alive. So I don't know. I always like to feel like she's, she knew, and we would we would have been good because we had that dynamic where I was able to be my very interesting eclectic self, and she appreciated me. Like she, I never felt like I could be anything else other than myself around her. Whereas, like, and my mom was always the complete opposite. You know what I mean? And and other people in my life. So you know, like Risa took me in, and you know, mentored me in ways that I don't even think she knows that she mentored me. You know, she honed my photography, you know, I used a lot her camera. She's a photographer as well, like on the side. And it was like, you know, I was using her cameras and, you know, she was interested in like, I was, and everything I was doing is fostering, like, you know, seeing what I can do and really fostering that. And I, I love that. I would say on the outs, people that I don't know that I will meet, especially like Oprah, me and her, we're going to be in her garden garden picking flowers and fruits one day. I will be right there with you. Yes. I'm like, Lindsay, get, get the strawberry. It's ready. Get it. Yes. You know, That's Oprah's going to be like, she got the strawberry. <laughs> We're making smoothies. You nailed that. Uh, yes. <laughs> Listen, I mean, there was a time that I prayed to Oprah. I tell you. Mm. <laughs> it was shamelessly. Um, well, why not? Yeah, you know, we're the Oprah, you know, that's just how it works. So, you know, for sure, you know, so people like that and anyone like that. Um, and also, you know, from from way before my time, Paul Robeson was an activist, an actor, uh, a boxer, a Renaissance man. And that's, I went to a Black Wax Museum in uh, Maryland, and that was the first time I learned about him. And I learned that word that way, and I was like, that's who I am. I'm a Renaissance woman. So I actually have it. One of my first tattoos, it's like, it's Renaissance woman. I love the word. I mean, cause 
essentially, I feel like we are Renaissance humans. Like we can do everything. We can do any and everything, you know, that we want to do. Um, and that's, that's what he did. And that, and I was like, I want to be like that, you know? Um, and I am that as I saw that I am. And I was like, I have to put that in practice, which I believe I did. So here I am. You sure did. And what, (laughs) what was it specifically that drew you to the fashion industry? And I hesitate to say fashion industry because I don't know if that was the goal, but (laughs) was there like a particular moment or realization that sparked your passion to create now? What is this, you know, huge gender-free brand of clothing? I think the lack of visibility that I saw within the industry, because the people that I looked up to in the fashion industry are still, they still don't have like their, I believe like their, the, the, the due accolades and the things that, you know, like credit for, especially in streetwear, you know, like, like the cross colors and the car can I and, you know, walk aware and, you know, Dada Damani, which is something that a lot of people don't know. And like, for me, like queer, even queer identity aside, fashion, quote unquote, is something that I've always struggled with. And that's why everything that you're doing with Stuzo is so just so inspiring to me is because like growing up, I remember going shopping with my mom. That was like World War Three every time. Every time she was like, we got to go get clothes. And I was like, I would literally rather, I don't know, gargle tax than go clothes shopping with you. Like, I'm so good. And then we would go, you know, we would go, we go to the store, we try on a bunch of shit. I put it on and I'm just like, okay, like, can we go now? And then that shit would sit in my closet literally until like the next school year. And my mom would be like, why does this stuff still have tags on it? And I'm like, "Mm, I hate it. Like, I'm not, I don't want to wear that. Are you kidding me? And then, and then she obviously should be upset. She'd be like, you know, I spent so much money on this. Like, I thought you liked it. I'm like, and then eventually, like, as I got older, we would, you know, in high school, we'd go shopping and I'd be like, yeah, that's ugly as shit. Like, I'm not, I'm not wearing that. And she was like, what do you want to wear? I'm like, I don't know. Like something that's functional, but like still cute. And I still like, (laughs) if it weren't for my partner, man, I would, I don't even know what the hell I'd be wearing. So props to you. (laughs) Listen, I mean, you know what? That's that's great for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that story because like it's very relative to mine. And I'm pretty sure it just sounds like you're preaching to a choir. I'm sure a lot of us are like, <laughs> yeah, we had similar experiences. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was like, you know, I didn't dread it. I was all excited until I got there because I, I, I grew up very oblivious. <laughs> Even though things were happening, I was still oblivious. So I always kept a balance and un conscious balance that I didn't even know that I had. And now, cause now I love balance, uh, you know, so I strive for it. So it's like, I actually loved going shopping. I love going shopping. Um, I kind of like shopping of any sort. Like you, you send me shopping to go shopping for anything. And I love it. Food, clothes, anything. Right. I love, I love shopping and my mother loves shopping. So <laughs> we had total different tastes. So I would like, you know, I appreciate her stuff for her. Like I saw her power suits and all that. I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, it's not for me. I actually like what my grandmother's wearing because I used to raid her closet, but I had to sneak and do it because it was oversized and they were like, that's too big for you. And I'm like, it's just the way I like it, you know? And I would even sneak in my brother's closet and like had to, had to do all this, like, you know, nobody can see me when I'm leaving and coming back and all that stuff. But, um, same deal though, going to shopping with my mom, um, we'd go and I'd be happy, but then when we get there, I'd be like, 
I just don't like anything in this section, you know? And then I wasn't even allowed to go in the male section at that point. Um, So I was like bound to this. And she would bring me stuff. It's like, I bought you something. And I'm like, yes. In my head, I'm like, please just be something close to what I like. Because you can't turn it down. You just have to be grateful. You have to also act like you like it. Half the time, it would be something that I didn't want to wear. I would never wear it. Or I'll just wear it because I had to. And it's just like, I was like into like jerseys. I wear a lot of hockey jerseys, football jerseys, stuff that I don't even watch or interested in. <laughs> but it was a fashion. It was that. It was like, that's what we did. You know, like it was oversized. It was like a sneaker head. Like, so I liked a lot of boyish stuff and I had to appease her a little bit. But um, for the most part, I wore a lot of baggy things. And I liked what I saw because thankfully it, it represented my African roots and the, the street culture that I'm growing up in, home of hip hop, you know, it's like, it. that's a part of it. However, there's this part that I don't even know yet, but I don't see, which is my queerness. Then it was like, you know, girls could be like baggy and you don't think, oh, they're queer, you know, back then. Cause that was a thing that we did, you know? And then there's this, then there's moment. Yeah, there's a moment like in high school when you're like, if you're still baggy, then it's like questionable. You know what I mean? It's like the older you get, it's either you're losing the bag or you keeping the bag alive. They're like, okay, what's going on? I ain't seen you with no guys. This is this and that. I did like a, a hard, a hard left just and like overcompensated. I was like, oh, everyone thinks that guy's cute. Bet. Like, that's the one. Okay. That's cool. But the, but clothing wise, it was hilarious. My mom loves to tell this story. I was young. I was maybe like, like 13, 14, something like that. Probably like middle school. And it was picture day. And she sent me to school all cute in whatever she defined, you know, cute. And when I got, when I got to school or like, not even when I got to school, like right before we took the picture, I took out a sweatshirt, like a new England Patriots gray tattered up sweatshirt that I think I found in like the lost and found and was like, yep, this is it. So of course, when I got home, she was like, how was picture day? I said, great. And then like weeks later, when the pictures come in, she was like, oh, you got your pictures. I was like, here you go. Mortified. <laughs> she was like, I was what like, did you I do? see. Wow. I mean, listen, you, you had big clit energy at a young age. Let me tell you that. Let me tell you what, that's what you had. And you did, it's like you did it, you took it for the team, like for all of us. Cause when I tell you <laughs> what would have happened to me back then? Oh my gosh. And I would have just been like on on retake day, just like, don't ask me what happened. Okay, dude. Like, they'd probably be like, that didn't go well, huh? Like, just shut up. Just shut up. Because <laughs> that's exactly where it would have been. And she would have been like, hey, you're not keeping that picture. <laughs> mm, right? Man, do you oh, have man. that? So you do you have that picture? Oh, yeah, I'll text it to you. <laughs> oh, please. I need to see this. I'll track it. I mean, down. it's such I'll a it's such it a classic move. It's like, it's like something you I swear you did it for us all. I, I loved Picture Day. I loved Picture Day. You know, nothing could, you know, even if my mom, like, gradually you could see, like, I started wearing what I wanted to wear. 
you know, before, before I was like in a dress or something. And, and it's just the idea of picture day for me. And I've always liked to be like put together. So like, even over the years, they'd be like, you're always so proper. And like, you know, like your hair, you know, like you just sleep like, like that. And I was like, look, I put the work in, I put rollers in my hair every night. I had to sleep on one side of my head. Yeah, like, you know, some girls we have in here, like, just fly away. I'm like, nah, that's not, you know, because one thing I saw my mom, like, she was put together. She worked in the corporate world, so she was like, you know, everything was, like, together and stuff. And that's how she she wanted us to look as a representation of her. And was she was she having conversations with you, like, growing up? Was she having conversations with you about how you were, quote, unquote, supposed to look not only as a woman, but as a woman of color, and you had to almost overcompensate, unfortunately, for all of these, you know, fucked up systems that are in place. Was that part of it? Was that a conscious thing? Or was that was that just a signal? No, there were two aspects. It's like, first of all, as a girl in, in like, in, in the Latin culture, Caribbean culture, you there's a lot of shit you can't do. You know, we're not supposed to do, but like, you know, like spitting and burping and natural human things, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay, who, who, what am I going to do? I don't understand. Like filled with, with mucus and, and you can't whistle. So if I don't feel like whistling and just being happy and joyous, nope, can't whistle. You can't do this. But I was always the person that, that challenged a lot of that. So I was deemed the black sheep and the, you know, the oddball. Those are two words that I've heard all too often, mainly from my mom. So she would just say that, like, you know, you have to dress this way and you can't, you know, there's some of the stuff though, I would, you know, I would get away with it, some of the bag, but I, I guess because I wore some things like just like to church, there's no way I'm wearing certain things to church, you know? So I had to like sneak out and, or then at the time when <clears throat> like say eighth grade, it's either I'm wearing this. Cause I was like, it's either I'm wearing this or I'm not going to church. So you have to choose, you know? So, so it's like, we had this, these agreements um, and then one main thing wasn't really like fashion wise. So, you know, she kind of, I guess she understood and, you know, like now I'm thinking about it, you know, like I, I did get some leeway cause I wasn't like forced into it all the time. And I did wear some things that I was like, okay, I have this oversized thing, mainly my, my hair, my hair was something that was like the crown of Panamanian royalty. Like you just cannot, like you can't have locks, you know, I can braid it could braid it and you could, you know, it has to like be this way. It's like, it has to be flowing, you know, it has to be like, and no one asked for a perm. I couldn't go back, even though it was burning me. It was like, you asked for this. Now you're in this life. It's like a gang. I tell you, I was like, there's no way out. Like, I was like, but I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, no, you asked me for it. Now you're permit. And I'm like, damn it. So there was thing, there were things that I couldn't do. Like I couldn't lock my hair until I was like 18. And as far as like, um, clothes wise, you know, just certain places that I just could not, like, if I didn't want to wear a dress to like a wedding or, or like someone's christening or this or that, like I couldn't, I had to wear something feminine, you know, especially around family. Like there was, there was a certain, certain events that it was like, you're going to wear something, you're going to have to meet me where I'm at and wear this. And I'm just like, uh, you know, so which is like, it affects my mood and, and who I am and me showing up as who I am. So it takes me a while. It took me a while to even like get used to family members at a function that I see a lot of times just because I'm not feeling at my best because I look like what she wants me to look like, 
you know? So then it will take me like half the party. And by the time I'm getting, just getting like, I don't care about what's going on and I probably messed it up anyway. And, you know, then it's like, it's time to go. And it's like, damn, I just warmed up. And then it's the same thing over and over again, you know? You say you don't know. And so now that you're, I mean, you wear whatever the hell you want, mm-hmm. you do whatever the hell you want. Right. <laughs> and then I think what's so amazing is not only do you do that, but you enable and inspire others to do the same, which is so badass. And like, so how does it, how does it feel for you to go from, you know, using all of these traumatic experiences and then using that as the fuel to, I mean... Every cel- every queer celebrity I know wears wears your clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every late night television show, all these articles, <laughs> like it. all the things, like that's so yeah. sick. Do you have any anything that you aspired to achieve that you've achieved that like you feel really really proud of, or has anyone worn your clothing that you're just so amped about? We're waiting on Oprah. We'll get there. Oh yeah, I mean, look, look literally, she held her head against one of my beanies, so. I am that much closer. Yes. So, I mean, I'm so close. I can feel it. I dream about it. I dream about it. So, you know, I dream that we do, like I said, we're, we're in her garden. We do them things. And so that's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's to me, one of the ultimate goals, um, her and Michelle Obama, to tell you the truth. Cause I, I have, I have something for everyone. So, you know, I love like when people, even if they're more in a feminine presenting wear, there's something for you. Jada Pinkett Smith is the the moment that I was just like, wow, wow. It's one of those moments that that still thinking about, like right now, I mean, I, I kind of don't even have a lot of the words, but one of the first like artistries that I fell in love with is acting. And she was my first hands down favorite actress, will be always one of my, in my tops. There's this fearlessness about her. Being one of the first ones to be rocking short haircuts and oversized like sweats and, you know, like her boyish nature. I was, I saw myself and I was like, and then, you know, following her and her journey. And when I saw Set It Off, I knew that I wanted to act. And mainly her character like drove it in to the point where I legally changed my name to her character um, in the movie. Um, that I felt, you know, amongst other reasons, but I felt very connected and I, I, and I am a stone. So, you know, that's, that's that. And like, so when I saw, <laughs> I remember I was on the toilet. <laughs> I don't, don't ask me, I don't know which one, we'll get it one or two or both. I don't know, but it was a good time. It's one of my favorite places to be. And because even sometimes I'm still on that toilet and I'm just like, it'll come to me and I'll remember the moment. And and that was like, I screamed, like I screamed, damn near dropped my phone. And I was just like, I wanted to just run, like <laughs> not, no wiping all, just run like I was just in the jungle. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I met, I met Willow before I met Willow um, and Jada was around. She didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't meet um, yet. So, and she was around. So I met Willow, told her, told the story about her mom and how she, you know, encouraged like, inspired me. And like, I had actually put a, a woman up sweater, a t-shirt in there. So I know 
like what she has. So then seeing the hat, I was like, wait a minute, that means this was like ordered or gifted from someone. And then over the years, seeing her and other things that I'm like, I know for sure. It's not like, you know, like I was like, here, Jada, you know, have this. So I'm like, where did she get that from? You know, and it's like her building a Stuzo collection. And it's only a matter of time since, you know, until we meet and, you know, discuss and, and just chat about all, all the good things in life. And I want to, you know, talk to her about Pac and uh, there's so much stuff, you know, and pick her Virgo brain. Uh, and it's just, it, that's, that's the, been the true, that's, that's been a, a rewarding one for me. Um, you know, having, you know, like I said, ch- being so inspired to, you know, change my name to that and, and really see myself in, in a character you know, that she played and, and then now to see her wearing my clothes voluntarily without me being like, Hey, can you wear this or hair? This, you know, isn't that like just energetically attracted and, and so, you know, manifesting the time where, you know, the Smiths take me and maybe they'll adopt me. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I ain't too old. What a dream. Okay. <laughs> right. You can, I can I mentor the kids, mentor them, the little ones, you know There I mean? you go. Damn. So looking back, your journey from the Bronx all the way to LA, the establishment of Stuzo, how has that transformed your perspective and now your creative expression? And how do you think that's going to continue to grow moving forward? Well, it's it's definitely grown exponentially because I've grown. So there are a lot of things that I wasn't open to. There are a lot of things I didn't know and I still don't know, like in business. And there was a lot of healing that went on, you know, internally. So that just shifted like a 180, like on how I create and and the space now that I have to, to organically like, you know, invite inspiration, um, rather than searching for it or feeling like, you know, in the beginning I was like, I have to create this and I'm just creating and just kind of was making things. They were purposeful. Um, they have more meaning now, you know, um, cause I, this is like I said, I know more and I've healed more. So they, you know, there's, I have different beliefs. Do you have an identity built around being, and this isn't something that I do. That's why I'm inquiring. Is there an identity for you around being a designer, being in the fashion industry, being a photographer, being any and all of those those things? Are those is that what is like motivating and inspiring to you to or even like to be do you identify as an entrepreneur? Cuz I think the reason why <laughs> we get along is like I just do shit. And I love it. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and and that's what's interesting is like that's what I sense from you. And that's what I enjoy about our conversations is like, no, I I found this passion and I followed it and I created, and that was an experience rather than like, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a fashion designer, I'm a photographer, I'm, I'm, I'm. And so I'm just curious your your thoughts on on that. Yeah, I I move from a place where I am first you know, and then what usually comes after that is I am human, you know, and that's, that's where I move from. And like I said before, we can do all that we want to do and everything, you know? So 
the titles are like for everyone else. And it's cool. It's cool to know. It's cool to know that I, that I have like titles under my belt, but then really I can add everything. I'd be everything. Like I'm, I am everything. Every, every, every profession is what I can do and what I am. Right. It's just what I choose to do. You know, what I, what I'm interested in doing. And that's, that's, that's what it is for me. You know what I mean? And so I'm fine, you know, with, with, with the titles and the entrepreneur. Yes, I do believe that I am all that. And I if, if someone says, shoot, cause I mean, we all take out the garbage somewhere. Was, does that make, it makes us a janitor, right? At some point. <laughs> and this is something I was literally thinking about like two days ago. Um, like, so it was like, we're, we're everything. So when you think about somebody and you see them taking out the trash, think about them and you see yourself, you are a janitor as well. You are a garbage person. You know, you, you do that because you do it for yourself. You do it in your home. Even a person that is out on the street, they, they have to do something to, to maintain their space or themselves or something like that. We all have, we all have things that we do, you know, unless we're literally just sitting there, you know, and, and doing nothing all day and just sitting in one spot. And even then, you're, you're existing. So you, 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 there's an I am to everything. Before I let you go, I do ask every awesome human who comes on this show, what is the worst piece of advice they've ever gotten? And what's the best piece of advice they've ever gotten? Usually I like to start on a high note, but I'm going to end because I want to end on a high note. <laughs> so um, the worst piece of advice, um, and this is a disclaimer, this came from a life coach. So who helped me. And then and then then that was that moment when I got that advice is when I knew that I had to step back and just be like, all right, this is where this healing ends with you and I. I was going through a, a really, really dark side of the moon moment, like tower moment, um, to reference tower where, you know, my time, my, my life was like imploding. And I had, I think the, it was the, it's a moment where I, where I was, uh, unpacking maybe the middle or like maybe middle to last of the trauma and then facing and really holding myself accountable for some stuff that I, that I was doing in life. And I spoke to the life coach. And she told me to just go, she's like, just go on autopilot and just throw yourself into work. And then everything is going to work out. And I'm just like, this is really like what your, that was the advice. Like I just knew, like I was searching. I was like, I needed something good at that. I needed something to really like bring me back. Cause I was teetering even like suicide. And that was the last, last time that I felt that way. Um, and then I had to, I had to call my, my best friend to, I was like, I need, I need to hear something else. Cause that is sent me into a, a different place. So yeah, I understand when like, you know, when foundation is good, you know, then you can go on autopilot. Is it like, you know, think about a, a, an actual pilot. If we over here like this, <laughs> don't throw that sucker on all our product. I need you to control this and get us to a place where we're like, ah, floating on the clouds we're feeling. Then you can go take a break and go to the bathroom and think about the things. Yeah. So I was like, mm, I am not going to do that. And I just left that. And that was the last time I physically spoke to that person in, in that sense. And the best advice I got 
is from my all-time mentor, mi amor, mi mamá, my grandmother. She used to tell me this every time, almost every day before I left to go to school, to go to places, especially going to my father's house. It was like she would say this to me. And she said, boca cerrada, no entra mosca. And it means if you keep your mouth shut, flies won't get in. I have that tattooed on my back, as a matter of fact, because my grandmother always had my back, so I put her there. And I wanted to always remind remind myself of that. And it's something I'll never forget because it still teaches me and it taught me how, like, when to choose my battles, when to verbally choose my battles and not, and, and like, so how to balance that out. For sure. When's that shirt coming out? I don't know. But that's a good idea. That's something good. I, it may never I like that because one. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's to me, but it might come because you know what? I'm, I'm like working on what I realize is that I have no Latine like designs on mm. my, on my, on my, like, you know, screen printed, sure. you know, gear. And I was like, man, okay. I got to represent Well, now, you know, now that I know it's the, the process has to come organically, you know, but that's, that's a good one. I, I did have one, but I didn't release it out. It was in the beginning. And then I gave it to like my mom and people that understand it's called Vivid por Amor, Live for Life. So that might be one to kick it off. And um, we'll see if I bring out the Bocas because that's that's my, you know, it's near and dear to me. And it's like, it might be something I just make for myself. And then I wear it. And then only me and Mama will know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and you now and, uh, and everyone listening. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. This was a joy as usual. Energies unmatched. Mm. Yeah. Heck yeah. Thank you for listening to Learning with Learner and hearing the wisdom, stories, and ideas that will have you feeling inspired and ready to take on the world. If you've enjoyed this, please remember to share, rate, and review. It means the world to me and the team putting it all together. If you're looking for more information, you can find me at lindsaylearner.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-L-E-R-N-E-R.com. Or if you've got any questions or curiosity about me, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at lindsaylearner. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome day.